Welcome to Knowledgeable Aging. I'm your host, Jason Kotar. Joining us today to talk about the frequently missed cause of pain, fatigue, and chronic poor health is Laurel Oti. Laurel is the owner of Layered Living, a holistic wellness practice. She serves families and businesses worldwide as a certified health coach, international wellness educator, celiac disease advocate, and corporate speaker. She was first inspired to begin her health coaching practice when faced with her child's health problems. In the end, it was identified that her daughter did, in fact, have celiac disease and needed to be on a 100% lifelong gluten-free diet. How are you doing today, Laurel? Yeah, doing great, Jason. Thank you so much for having me here. It's always yeah, such a treat for to be able to talk about a subject I'm excited about and share with the knowledgeable aging community. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. Before we get started, Laurel, for those that are joining us for the live webinar, if you have any questions, type those questions in. Time permitting, we will do everything in our power to get your questions answered. So, Laurel, I'm going to turn it over to you. Sounds great. Let's get started. So, yes, celiac disease. Um, let's first of all cover what is celiac disease. Now, some of you maybe have heard of celiac disease before. Maybe you even know somebody with it. A few of you maybe are diagnosed. But a lot of people, I think, when they hear the term celiac disease, still have a lot of questions. Um, and so I want to just jump right in there first. So celiac disease is a genetic autoimmune disease. This means it runs in families because they share the genes. Um, so if you don't have the genes associated with celiac disease, you're not going to develop it over the course of your lifetime. Likewise, just because you have the genes for celiac disease does not necessarily mean that you're definitely going to get it at some point in your life. You just have the genetic possibility to develop it at some point. Like I said, it is an autoimmune disease. It's not an allergy. Um, these things often get confused um, or, you know, equal, and they're, they're not the same. Both are very serious. Both, you know, need to be taken, um, take precautions to prevent the things that you're reacting to, but they are technically different. So the way an autoimmune disease works is the body is triggered by something that tells it to have an um, an incorrect response, an immune system response to whatever that particular trigger is. For celiac disease, we know what the trigger is, it's gluten. Um, for other autoimmune diseases, it's not necessarily that straightforward. But when the body has that abnormal response to its trigger, it actually turns and attacks itself, causing damage inside the body. So obviously celiac disease, that is a very serious medical condition since it's damaging your own body. It's not a fad diet, it's not a choice. Um, once you have it, you can't cure it, um, but there are plenty of things we can do to treat it. And the most important thing to remember is that the only treatment for celiac disease is a 100% gluten-free diet for life. Like I said, there's not a medication or a supplement, supplement that you can take or, you know, a surgical procedure or anything else that's going to cure or prevent you from having celiac disease. It's really all about diet. There's a lot of cool research going on right now in the celiac uh, medical community world, and they're looking for medications and things like that. But right now what we've got is the dietary intervention. So I know I've mentioned gluten now a few times. So for those of you who aren't entirely sure what gluten is, you know, where it is, things like that, um, let's just get in there. So gluten is a protein that is found in specific grains. So your gluten grains are wheat, barley, and rye. So with wheat, that includes any of its varieties or derivatives like spelt. There's a variety of wheat, therefore it would contain gluten. 
anything made with barley like malt malt is made from barley so therefore it's gluten it contains gluten um, and then I list oats on here oats is a tricky one so Oats in and of themselves are technically gluten-free, but the way uh, food manufacturing is done at minimum in the United States, uh, the same manufacturing equipment is typically used to harvest and process oats as what is used to process wheat. Um, because of that, the oats then become cross-contaminated with little bits of wheat and therefore not safe if you have celiac disease. Now, fortunately, since um, since we've discovered the the source of the trigger gluten for celiac disease um, there now are manufacturing lines that are dedicated to the harvesting and production of oats and can certify their oats as being gluten-free so if you have celiac disease you can eat oats as long as they have the gluten-free label on the package um, so just to be aware of so there's lots of potential sources of gluten um, Commonly foods that are often made typically of wheat, but potentially other gluten containing grains would be things like pastas, breads, crackers, you know, lots of your just packaged foods in generals. Um, then checking sauces, gravies, seasonings is important. And when I see seasonings, I don't mean like your bottle of basil is fine. You're not gonna, it's not gonna be cross-contaminated with gluten. We're talking about like a mix, a seasoning mix where it's got a long ingredient list. Sometimes it contains wheat or other gluten-containing grains in that seasoning mix. That would be your risk. Certain beverages, the big one that usually comes to mind is beer. They do make gluten-free beers these days, but you do specifically need to order gluten-free beer. Um, and then medications and supplements, that one is a tricky one. Your best resource for checking whether the medication or supplement you've been prescribed um, to find out whether it's gluten-free is honestly your pharmacist. You can always talk to your doctor, absolutely, but they're gonna probably direct you to your pharmacist anyway, because they are the experts on what's in the medications and they know which manufacturers to call to confirm if there's any questions, and they're always happy to do so. I love pharmacists. So just you know, ask any questions to them. They will be happy to help clear up any confusion you may have. So some other potential gluten risks would be things at church, for example, your communion wafers are commonly made with wheat flour. Um, some have started going to rice flour ones to make them gluten free because um, wheat is a top allergen. So even for people without celiac disease, there's, you know, growing percentage of people, um, children especially, who, you know, have allergies to wheat. So it's beneficial for church. So it might be something to talk to your church about once people are regularly returning to in-person church services and things like that. If that's a concern. Uh, arts and crafts supplies. This is usually a big one if you have kids with celiac disease. Um, touching uh, a art or craft supply that has wheat is not going to necessarily trigger the autoimmune response. The issue is if you aren't careful about washing your hands thoroughly after you have touched those things. And as we know, kids are not always very mindful about what's on their hands before they put them back in their mouths. So Play-Doh is commonly made with wheat. You can buy gluten-free Play-Doh now these days, which is great. Um, and then like paper uh, mache is another one. So it's just good to check on the ingredients list. Now oral care and dental products typically are gluten-free. But there's never any harm in just giving a quick little glance to the ingredient list and making sure that there's no surprises there. But fortunately, most of the time these days, these are now all gluten free. Um, any cosmetics that you're using your, near your mouth, 
uh, lip balm, uh, lipstick, things like that. While there should not be enough gluten in any of these products to actually trigger an autoimmune response, there are plenty of anecdotal um, stories from people with celiac disease that say that they felt worse or noticed symptoms when they were using products that contained um, wheat or gluten. So it may just be something to look into and see what alternate product is available and see if that helps you. So I mentioned reading labels. I'm passionate about reading labels. Um, regardless of whether you have celiac disease, I think it's hugely beneficial for all of us to know what we're putting in our body. Um, that way we can make active um, and conscious choices about what we're eating um, and what we're not eating, right? So one big one that sometimes gets confused is when you see the wheat-free label. Just because something is wheat-free does not necessarily mean that it's gluten-free. Um, I know we mentioned this other gluten-free or gluten grains, your barley, your rye, sometimes oats. Um, those are not top allergens. So the FDA does not require labeling of a product that contains barley, rye, or oats. It does require labeling of wheat because wheat is a top allergen. So just remember the key label you're looking for is gluten-free. That's the important one. If it doesn't specify gluten-free, like the label on the, the package, then go down to your ingredient list. This is, again, super valuable for everyone, regardless of whether you have celiac disease or not, and see what's in it, right? Always remember to look for that little disclaimer that's sometimes at the bottom of the ingredient list. You know, might not have any gluten-containing ingredients there, but then there's a little disclaimer that says, um, has been manufactured in the same line as, you know, products containing wheat, milk, tree nuts, whatever. If it says that, we know that wheat is a gluten-containing grain and therefore this product has potentially been cross-contaminated in manufacturing. So I know it seems like a lot, it can be a little overwhelming, um, can feel awkward at first asking questions when you're dining out, but we really wanna do what we can to stay healthy because this is going to directly impact your quality of life right now and potentially your longevity of life long-term. Now, fortunately, there are lots of delicious, wonderful, easy foods we can purchase that we don't have to worry about whether or not it contains gluten because they are all naturally gluten-free. And they don't come with ingredients lists because these are things like your fresh produce, your, um, you know, your fruits and your vegetables. There's lots of gluten-free grains out there, your corn, your rice, um, quinoa, I could go on, your meats, your seafoods, your fish, all gluten-free. It does not matter if the animal ate wheat, it does not pass through them and make that food not gluten-free. All of those are fine. Your meat would only be an issue if it was, you know, marinated in something that wasn't gluten-free or treated in some, you know, has some sort of seasoning on it that's not gluten-free. And then it's not the meat itself, it's the seasoning that's the problem. Your eggs, your dairy products, cheese, all of that, all gluten-free. So again, it's only if something that contains gluten has been added to it, that would make it not safe. So the more variety of food all of us can eat, regardless of whether we have celiac disease, the healthier we are going to be. So a great thing for all of us to do, just kind of diversify a bit, right? 
All right, so who's at risk for celiac disease? Now, I know I said that it is a genetic condition, so it runs in families. If you already know that your family has a history of celiac disease, you know, a parent is diagnosed or an uncle or whoever, then you know that it runs in your family, even if you yourself have not yet been checked. This means that you already have a higher risk of developing celiac disease than the average population. Now, from there, you can get gene tested to find out if you have the genes and find out whether you truly do have a genetic possibility of developing it. And if you're having symptoms, you absolutely would benefit from getting celiac testing done to find out, am I experiencing celiac disease right now? It can occur at any age and any gender, any race, any ethnicity. It affects uh, people all over the world. And almost universally the same percentage um, of people all over the world in every country. There are a few areas that seem to have a slightly lower risk, but really it's, it's pretty universally everywhere. Um, the prevalence does increase with age. I always find this one to be a little misleading um, because the reality is any autoimmune disease, the prevalence increases with age. And the main reason for that is you've lived longer, which means you have more time to have had those genes become activated and therefore that disease to develop. Mm -hmm. So while you often see things in childhood, just because you ate wheat pancakes and breads and cookies and crackers and all these things your whole life growing up and never felt bad or had any problems. And all of a sudden you're now in your thirties or your forties or fifties or sixties and start feeling all these symptoms and you're feeling awful. Things change. The body may no longer be able to tolerate this because maybe now you have celiac disease, whereas previously those genes were not yet activated. Now there are a lot of related conditions to celiac disease. And what is important about this is that just because you have one of these does not necessarily mean you definitely will also have celiac disease, but they raise your risk of having celiac disease. There are some that have a very high um, incidence of both occurring in people. Um, just because you have one autoimmune disease does not mean you can't have another. And in fact, having one autoimmune disease raises your risk of developing another. So some of the particularly big ones that you see um, uh, happening together in people that have celiac disease, uh, type one diabetes is huge. If you've been diagnosed with type one diabetes, and you've never been tested for celiac disease, it is important to get tested as soon as possible because there is a very high incidence of both occurring. Um, arthritis, particularly um, autoimmune forms of arthritis like rheumatoid or juvenile idiopathic arthritis certainly share a higher incidence of celiac disease also. Uh, your autoimmune thyroid diseases are another really big one, and that would be Hashimoto's or Graves' disease. These are your autoimmune thyroid diseases. So I'm not going to go through this whole list, but you get the sense. You know, if you have some of these other things, it's important to make sure regular screening for celiac disease is happening as well as the management of your, your current condition that you've been diagnosed with because you do have an elevated risk. And we want to make sure you're, you're being treated correctly um, so that way when you're healthy but also if you're on medications for these other things that your medications are going to work correctly 
So celiac disease is so much more than a GI problem. We tend to think of like, oh, well, I eat, you know, food that's got gluten. So therefore, it's a stomach thing. I'm not going to feel well, I have a stomach ache. But there's so much more to it than that. So when a patient with celiac disease consumes a food or medication or whatever with gluten in it, um, goes into their digest digestive tract and gets to the small intestine. Our small intestine is really cool because this is the part of our body that's in charge of capturing the nutrients from our food and bringing it into our bloodstream to deliver it to every other part of our body. This is what nourishes us. So inside the walls of our small intestine, the entire length of that small intestine, are these little finger-like projections called villi. So these villi, it's their job to capture those nutrients. What celiac does, does, yes, what celiac disease does is when a person with it eats a gluten-containing food, the part of the body that gets damaged are these villi, these little finger-like protections. So projections, excuse me. So they start shrinking down, they get damaged, they get shorter, and eventually with enough damage, they become completely flat inside the intestinal wall. So now there's no little finger-like projections, no little villi there to capture those nutrients. So you end up with malabsorption of critical nutrients, which absolutely affects every single part of your entire body. Um, it leads to short and long-term health problems, even premature death if left untreated. So this is a really big deal. It's not just saying, oh, I'm always a little low in iron, no problem. Oh, my zinc is always low. That's fine, I'll just take a supplement. If you have a critical nutrient that is consistently low, you're struggling to get to keep it at a normal level, that's a sign something's going on. We need to find out what is it, what's happening. Not only that, this systemic inflammation, this is inflammation of every single part of your body, causes increased risks um, for very serious diseases two times increased risk of developing coronary artery disease. And you gotta remember, heart disease is already the number one killer of both men and women in the United States. So if we're raising our risk for anything related to our cardiovascular system, this is a bad thing. We do not want this. It also increases the risk of small bowel cancers by four times as well. Um, this is a, one of the cancers that's a top killer in this country as well. So we do not want to increase these risks. And, you know, maintaining a gluten-free diet if you have celiac disease is critical to your health. There are over 300 known symptoms of celiac disease. So it's very difficult to diagnose celiac disease without testing for it. It's not gonna just pop up in your routine um, lab work that your doctor does during your annual physical. You actually have to test for celiac disease to find out if you have it, um, or at least to be able to diagnose it. So like I said, there's 300 symptoms. I'm not gonna go through all 300 today, but just to get you an idea of the variety of types of symptoms, um, you know, they could manifest as nutrient deficiencies where you develop anemia or osteoporosis. If it starts in early childhood, you may see failure to thrive, failure, failure to grow or slowed growth. Um, sleep problems, a big one with celiac disease, fatigue, nightmares. Um, you see that a lot, especially in kids. Um, there's certainly the classic GI responses, the bloating, the diarrhea, even constipation. But many 
older children and adults that develop celiac disease do not necessarily have these GI symptoms. They have other things. You're much more likely to have some of the neurological and psychological issues like anxiety, depression, mood swings, and irritability. Um, you may have dental, oral and dental symptoms like um, staining on the teeth, not staining from the foods you're eating, but staining happening inside the body from nutrient deficiencies, canker sores constantly in your mouth, no matter what you eat and how careful you are about staying away from citrus and things like that. Um, these are signs of nutrient deficiencies. Pain is a really big one with celiac disease, and it's not just stomach pain that can happen. Migraines is a really common symptom that happens in celiac disease, um, as well as arthritis pain. Um, I mentioned the autoimmune arthritis pain, but even the normal aging, wear and tear arthritis pain can be worsened or triggered because of celiac disease because of that systemic inflammation that it causes. For many women, the first sign or symptom that they notice are around fertility problems, recurrent miscarriage or unexplained infertility. Don't think there's been a lot of studies on the impact of fertility for men who have celiac disease, but it would stand to reason if you are constantly deficient in key nutrients, which we know affects one's fertility, there's probably a lot of men who are dealing with fertility problems that may be undiagnosed celiacs. So just things to look into, you know, skin problems. And again, certainly if you have had um, already been diagnosed with another autoimmune disease, um, whether that's psoriasis or anything else, it's a good idea to have a chat with your doctor about getting tested. So I was working with a man, we're going to call him John today, um, who had recently been diagnosed with celiac disease. He was at that point in his life, in his late 50s, he had been dealing with not just, you know, stomach discomforts, bloating, really uncomfortable bloating and pain, but terrible headaches all the time. Um, terrible sleep. He struggled to get to sleep. He struggled to stay asleep. Um, so a lot of sleep disturbances and his anxiety level, no matter what he seemed to do, was just always very, very high. Now, since his diagnosis, um, he had not received any nutritional counseling from his doctor, which is common. Um, you know, your primary care doctor or your gastroenterologist, they are not nutritionists. They're not dietitians. That's not their area. So it's important to find somebody who that is their area. So he came and talked with me about these things, which is great. So through the course of working together and educating him on what a gluten-free diet is, what the right questions are to ask, um, and how to make that dietary lifestyle transition. Um, his pain not only went away completely so that he didn't have to have any pain medications, not even like ibuprofen for a headache because he doesn't, didn't have headaches anymore. Um, his sleep improved dramatically. Um, not only did the number of hours that he was able to sleep each night increase, but the quality of sleep he was getting increased. Um, he had previously been having a number of skin reactions, rashes and things like that, and they cleared up, which was, um, you know, a huge relief for him as well. And with everything improving, his anxiety levels really, really decreased. So I mentioned the story um, simply to remind you that, you know, nobody wants to get diagnosed with an autoimmune disease. However, sometimes it can be really empowering to have an answer and then get educated on what to do with that information because we can get our lives back and this changes everything. You know, when we have answers and direction, we have now this renewed lease on life where we can do things that we thought maybe I'm never gonna be able to do again or I just don't have the energy or interest because I feel so unwell all the time.
So I think the more people who have celiac disease that we can get diagnosed and then provide the information and support, the better everyone will be. So moral of the story is we want to test. We don't want to guess. We don't advocate self-diagnosis, especially not for celiac disease. It does affect 1% of the world population, which means celiac disease is the most prevalent genetic autoimmune disease in the world. If you already know you have a family history of, your, of celiac disease, your risk factor goes up to approximately one in 10 from one in 100. So that's, that's a big jump up. Unfortunately, up to 83% of Americans with celiac disease are estimated to remain undiagnosed or misdiagnosed. So don't expect that it's going to be the first thing your doctor may think of to test you for. Unfortunately, diagnosis is still very low, so it's important to become um, educated about this and become an effective self-advocate. There's no harm in getting testing done. It's literally checking one more box on the lab core or you know, whoever your lab form is for your doctor. Um, typically, it's covered by insurance. So it's a great thing just to, if you're suffering, to find out, is this potentially the reason for my ill health? So I think everybody's health matters. Uh, no matter who you are, where you are in life, I don't want you settling for poor health because you've got too much wonderful life ahead of you that I want you to be able to live and really engage in. Um, it's not just about, about living longer, it's about living better. And that's that's our goal for, for everyone, no matter where you are in life. So if you have concerns, talk to your doctor about getting tested. And certainly if your test results come back positive, it's time to get educated so that you can take back your life and live in good health. So at this point, I'm going to open the floor back up to questions um, and turn it over to, to Jason here. So let me just stop sharing my screen. Excellent. Really good stuff. Thank you, Laurel. Absolutely. A couple questions, a couple questions have come in. First one, they want to kind of just uh, expound a little bit on the testing. How does somebody go about getting tested? They just go to their doctor? Yeah, absolutely. So you can certainly get tested by any doctor who can write you a, a script for literally any testing can write you a script for celiac disease. You do not have to go to a specialist. Now, your primary care uh, physician may suggest you go to a specialist. It may just not be an area they feel comfortable getting into. Maybe they feel like, well, even if the test results come back, I don't really know how to interpret it. So it's not that they can't order the test, but they may not feel comfortable serving as your medical resource about this. But absolutely, you can go to any doctor. And if you're you know, in a pinch and you're struggling to get in with your primary care provider or specialist, if you already have one, you can go to a walk-in clinic like, um, you know, a patient first or, you know, whatever the types of walk-in clinics are in your area. You don't, you don't even have to go to your primary doctor and say, I want to get tested for celiac disease. You know, I have X, Y, and Z symptoms and they can write your script. So. Yeah. Interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, what other questions came in? Are there levels of severity? So let's just say you get the results back. Do you know if you have a higher level of severity of celiac disease? Yeah, that's a really good question. So Essentially, the short answer is no. There are not levels of severity. Um, every person who has celiac disease, is it's serious. 
it, it matters. There's no, I'm, I mean, you'll often hear someone to say, oh, well, I'm just, I'm not a very sensitive celiac, so it's probably fine. What they're actually saying is the symptoms that they experience don't feel that debilitating, so it doesn't bother them. But the reality is, you, every time you are exposed to and consume gluten knowingly or you know accidentally, it is causing damage to your body and raising your risks of serious short and long-term health problems. So even if you feel like your symptoms aren't that bad, or if you are somebody with celiac disease who doesn't really necessarily identify what your symptoms are, um, but sometimes there are things you just, you're not recognizing, oh, that's from celiac disease, right? Um, it still matters and still needs to be taken very seriously. Yeah. Another question came in. They were asking about going gluten-free. What are the positives and negatives of going gluten-free if you're not uh, diagnosed with celiac disease? Yeah, so um, that's such an interesting one because it, especially in the more holistic world of wellness, you'll get a lot of people who feel very passionately that everybody should be gluten-free regardless of whether you have celiac disease. Um, I tend to take a little more what I think is balanced approach. Um, if you have celiac disease, yes, you absolutely have to be gluten-free. If you have a related health condition like thyroid disease that has a very high incidence of developing celiac disease um, and does tend to be worsened by things like gluten, then yeah, you probably should also be gluten-free. But if you don't have any of these related conditions where you're seeing very clear benefits in being gluten-free, um, then really it's more about personal preference. If you find that you just feel a little better because you're going gluten-free, that's fine. I suspect there's a lot of people who don't have these conditions that need it, um, that go gluten-free and feel better, might feel better because by going gluten-free, the side effect is they actually increase the variety of foods that they're eating. And all of us are gonna benefit from eating a bigger variety of food, right? It's very easy to get into the habit of eating you know, different forms of wheat three times a day, but it's still just wheat, right? right? So we can mix it up more, we'll probably be healthier. Yeah. Last question, somebody asked, in the time since when you got your daughter got diagnosed to today, what's your biggest takeaway um, about celiac disease? Do you have uh, one? I know that I'm putting you on the spot, but uh, no, you know, they, it's an interesting fine. question. It, it is such a good one. So the biggest thing I can say is it, there's nothing more valuable than becoming an effective um, health advocate for yourself and if you're a parent, your kid. Because at the end of the day, you, one, are going to know your kid and hopefully yourself better than anybody else. Doesn't matter what their degree is or number, you know, whatever those letters are behind, behind their name. Hopefully you're the best expert on yourself and your kid. And two, nobody's going to be more affected or more motivated about dealing with the ill health of either yourself or your kid than you are, right? Once you leave that doctor's office, they don't have to deal with the behavior problems, you know, from your kid feeling sick all the time or the horrific sleep deprivation from people being sick or waking up or you yourself going, oh, I'm awake. Again, everyone's asleep, but yet here I am laying here, not sleeping, suffering. You know, it's you that has to live with these things. So the more we can become uh, better self 
health advocates, the, the better it is, regardless of what um, condition you have. But celiac disease is a big one because there is still such a low understanding and therefore it's not taken as seriously even in our medical community in the United States at very least. It's better in certain other countries, but the U.S. right now still really lags behind. So you really got to push if that's something that you're concerned about. Yeah, one of the things that you had mentioned that was interesting for me was about the testing. It's like when you go to your doctor and let's just say you go and get your, you're, you're a good patient, right? You go once a year to get your, your blood work back and the doctor comes in and says, oh, everything looks good. That doesn't necessarily mean that celiac disease is not something that's impacting you. And so, you know, like you said, you have to listen to your body. You do have to listen to your body and you have to understand what the limitations of what's being tested. You know, a general CBC, which is what it's called, a complete blood count, is not testing you for celiac disease or food allergies or environmental allergies. So everything could look normal on that. It could be totally normal on that, but it doesn't mean there's not something going on that's bothering you. So it's not necessarily the end of the conversation. It's just a continuation. Okay, that part's good. I'm still having this. Who's my next step to get some testing done? Absolutely. Wonderful stuff. So, Laurel, how can people find you? Yeah, great. I'll just, um, let me share my screen again because it's got my, got my, here, or can you pass that out of the way here? It does have my contact information here as well. Um, you certainly are welcome to hop over to my website. That is layeredlivinglife.com. Um, certainly all my contact information is there, my services, my links to my Instagram account, which is at Layered Living, or my business Facebook page, which is at Layered Living Life. You can reach out by phone, either call me or text me. That's, that's fine. I have lots of texts come through. My phone number is 703. 835-2378. Um, I work with people all over, not just the country, but the world. So other than uh, time zone considerations, I'm pretty available, but <laughs> I take my sleep very seriously as well. So the middle of the night, it will be the next day before I reach back out. Um, but yeah, come come reach out to me anytime. I am on LinkedIn and Alignable as well. Uh, but certainly my phone number or my website are going to be your best ways to get in touch with me and explore what Layered Living has to offer you if, if you are somebody who needs some support. Very good. Well, thank you so much, Laurel. Uh, as far as knowledgeable aging, we try to have live webinars two to three times per week. You can find us on YouTube. Just type in knowledgeable aging. I encourage you to subscribe. We do have full webinars and, and clips that are usually two to five minutes, which are always kind of neat as well. Um, you can also find us on our podcast. So uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, you can find us there as well. Until so, next time, I'm your host, Jason Kotar, and this is Knowledgeable Aging.